everyone, and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast. So I've got with me Little Brickhouse, which I've just had to be, make a very conscious effort to get the last name right. Um, but yeah, we're just here today. Um, this is going to be basically part one of two. So Little will be back again next week. So we're going to be splitting these up, uh, mainly talking in this episode about mental health, uh, Little's experience, um, journey on everything here. And then in the next part, we'll be talking politics and the interaction between mental health and politics and um, what's brought them into it and things like that. So how are you doing, Little? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm okay. I'm slowly melting because despite many people thinking the UK is not that hot, it's too hot all the time. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, we're not used to this heat over here, are we? I'm, it's it's not right. It's just not right. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm should have definitely been Finnish. I feel, um, but uh, but yeah, I'm doing okay. So, um, as I say, some people may know you from TikTok. It's certainly yeah. where I I came across you because TikTok kind of goes here. This is the algorithm. We're gonna throw people at you. So I. I border on mental health and political TikTok, so you were going to come up at some point. Um, but uh, that's where a lot of people uh, know you. But obviously, there's there's more to the journey, and there's a reason you then got onto TikTok. So, I wonder if you could like tell us a bit about your journey and kind of what's happened, where all this has come from. Well, for me, it it started about four or five years ago, to be honest. Um, I was in at the time a uh, I was just coming out of a very abusive relationship and it had seriously damaged my mental health to the point where I'd had a breakdown and become suicidal um, and part of my my healing journey was to think of ways to set goals ahead of myself so short-term goals and long-term goals and I developed this 20-year plan and in that 20-year plan there's so many steps to keep me going and the short-term goals were things like little things like find myself a new winter coat small things that that wouldn't really matter to most people but to me there was something that I felt I needed yeah and we slowly built this I built this list up of my little wishes um to collect on this 20-year journey of healing um and on that list was engage back into education. And that's where it all started. I enrolled with the Open University into a um, certificate of higher education in psychology. Um, didn't think I would make the full year um, at all because of how things were. And um, yeah, that was the start of my journey. Unfortunately, the same year my dad was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. So as I started my education that year, um, my dad became very ill with cancer. And so I was working as his full-time carer and doing my education at the same time. And this is really where the merging of mental health and politics began hmm. as well. Um, so I, uh, I, I nursed my dad through his cancer battle. Um, I submitted my first assignment the week before he passed away um, and got a, a relatively good, good result in my coursework, considering the, uh, the situation I was in with my mental health, with my dad's cancer battle, and now engaging in, in education for the first time in 15 years. Mm. I think I got a... 62 on that first piece of coursework and yeah. proved to myself I could do this 
yeah getting getting a 2-1 when all that shit's going on is is the yeah uh yeah it's it's education is is a is not many ways especially when things like that um i mean i i i know you've perused some of my podcasts you may not know that much about me but i'm for me and mental health at least turning to the education and facilitation my wife passed away of brain cancer in 2019 um when i was doing another um degree and i have to say i was i did not have the same experience with education i had the um the tutor at the time telling me i should prove that she has cancer that i'm making it worse than myself to ask for an extension um then when she died and i said i wanted an interruption she said that um well you haven't proven that you can do the work despite the fact that on her course on her module alone i'd got 93 percent um and it was for an environmental science degree of which i was shortlisted to be a delegate to the un back in the early 2000s so I've never shouted at someone quite as loudly as I did at that person um but with enough I transferred all my credits and I'm doing it very very slowly over the open university now um which I always suggest to people it's a great way of doing it because you have 16 years so like for for you if you'd have just gone you know what fuck this I can't which would be absolutely acceptable and anybody out there if you are doing that and your mental health gets on top of you it's fine just Fuck whatever's going on. Your mental health is more important. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and the Open University is fantastic. Um, to be honest, I think if I had gone to a brick university, I wouldn't have coped. I wouldn't have managed. But with the Open University, with the flexibility of that and everything being online, you're not restricted to that nine to five campus schedule. So if you are struggling with flashbacks or or post-traumatic stress or, you know, just mental health in general, and it's keeping you up at night, you've got insomnia, you can do your schoolwork at two o'clock in the morning and engage in your lectures at any point. And that flexibility for me is what made it possible for me to do my education. Mm. And I think, to be honest, it's what saved my life. Um, I wouldn't be here today without taking on that course originally um, and and becoming a student with the Open University was was stepping rebuilding my life yeah so, I, yeah education is definitely something that a lot of people I mean I, I do it's, it's something you kind of need to do and then people some lecturers go the other way of going oh well this is um this is going to make things hard you're like no the only reason I can, can keep going is because I have something to do I you know it's, it's something to actually get your mind into to understand to to, to give your mind on those stressors exactly that are impacting you just to give you some space to breathe mm. it yeah it does it could be a very useful coping mechanism oh yeah i mean it takes it back to um stories i was told about my granddad um slightly off topic but it is on topic that he used to get migraines so bad that he would bang his head against the wall literally and people used to go, well, that just doesn't make any sense. It's just bang. It's just like, yeah, but they're so bad that the pain from hitting his head against the wall was actually still a distraction from how bad the migraines were. And so it may seem, oh my God, I'm stressing myself out with this, but different stresses are different stresses. And if you can get it from that, that could actually be a, a um, dopamine release, an endorphin release from getting the stress and getting the reward from education or from learning how to skateboard, whatever it is. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, education takes many, many forms. It's not just academic. You know, life in itself is a is an education and, and one that I've had a, a lot of experience in. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, it's not just the academic path when it comes to education. I mean, we just have to look at, at the internet today. It's, mm. We've got the access to, to libraries and, and resources at our fingertips. TikTok is becoming a better search engine than Google these days, I, I hear. So, That's, you know. Yeah, I saw something yesterday about that, about um, somebody searching for things to do in, in Edinburgh or something. And Google. Yeah, I saw that one. Fifty-two yeah. percent was it of young people now use TikTok for their financial advice? Yeah, which is similar to how the news moved as well, because news kind of moved from this is the news to things like the Daily Show, which was comedy, because they at least because they had the balls to actually say the answer, what was actually going on, which I think is the difference, and that's why people um, take issue with me sometimes on these podcasts and my other stuff is that I will happily call someone out because I'll defend it. I don't give a fuck. I, I don't care. Yeah. Like. I just don't fuck you like what <laughs> I don't it's, I'm not going to yeah it's just ridiculous so um I think something you said there was really really good because I've mentioned it to people before and it's something that I think a lot of people skip and it causes them issues is the idea of making goals but making those goals that are small as well because I think everybody just goes oh well so if we think about oh I want to run a marathon that's their goal and then by the end of the year they can run 20 miles, but they can't run 26. And they go, oh, my God, I fail. And you're like, you can run 20 fucking miles now. What are you on about? Whereas if you go, I want to be able to run a mile. Now I want to be able to run a, a park run. I want to be able to do a 10K, half marathon. Then you've got like six goals and you've completed five of them. So you've, you've not failed. You, you've, you've got five of the six. Exactly. Yeah. But if you've only got the one, then it's one to fail. And it's just such a this idea of goal setting I think it is important when you get those those little bits because you can you can keep getting wins over and over again you can keep getting a win you can keep getting a win it's like with weight loss and everything else you know I think there's this uh, fear of failure as well um which to be honest um for me if I fail it's a learn it's a it's a learning curve yeah it's not a mistake it's a lesson yeah and if you can reflect on on what went right what went wrong and how things can be improved then it's not a failure mm. it's just you figuring out a better path forwards yeah I mean, it it took um scientists many many years to uh to even understand what atoms were and they they got that wrong for so many years like it took edison how many attempts to create the light bulb I was going to use that one, but he lied because he never created it. But um... <laughs> That's why I was trying not to. But apparently, <laughs> apparently yeah. Yeah, like we, we, we know. I'm, I'm just going to put this out there right now. We know how whitewashed everything is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's not 100%. We need to always fact check and make sure we're using reliable, credible sources. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, m most, of, most of Edison's past is just fabricated. I mean, he... he it, I think the, the actual light bulb was a bit take some stuff from other scientists in the field and present it as his own as well. well Tesla, he, he offered him 50,000, then just went, nah, fuck that. It's like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whitewashing of, of his, I mean, I am, as I say many times, I am the, the archetype, all it needs blonde hair, I am the archetype for toxic masculinity and, um, and privilege. I am white male, middle class in the southeast of England. I, I, 
I'm the fucking post boy. I'm a I'm a martial artist and and former tournament fight. I am literally oozing toxic masculinity. I try and use that to others' advantage. That's why I am more prepared to just kind of go fuck you to everyone because I'm. Let's be honest. Well, that self awareness is what's needed, I think, yeah. especially on a societal level, in order to to be able to address these topics in a healthy way, so that people don't feel like it's an attack. Because if you're self aware of your own toxicity then you're able to reflect on that and change your behavior and do better, which means you're not being toxic. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, 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 a, I'm a product of toxic masculinity rather than yeah. necessarily. Um, yeah, and that, that's the difference is that that self-awareness and being aware that there is this element, not just potentially within ourselves, but completely embedded in our societies. And this does play into psychology and mental health as well across the board um so yeah there's that that self-awareness which draws you away from that 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 grouping and and sets you aside um it is amazing when i when i spoke about toxic masculinity toxic masculinity on um twitch uh which is where i do a lot of my kind of streams and stuff i spoke about it on there and something happened that i never thought would happen somebody changed their mind on the internet um which was a mind blowing for me but somebody came in and immediately got defensive um yeah. but they only got defensive they didn't get attacking they only got defensive and so i was like okay chat leave just just leave them alone don't <clears throat> we're not gonna ban them we're gonna and you could just slowly bit by bit see them after a while just going oh wait so you're saying toxic masculinity is shit for everyone i was like yes that's the point it's fucking everyone over and they just yeah. went it's not a personal attack no. it's a societal norm that yeah. has been embedded into our culture yeah and it was it was it was weird because it ended with this person basically saying that they couldn't see them themselves getting away from toxic masculinity it was too embedded however they wanted to make sure that their um their son was not the same as them which was an interesting way of thinking about it so it's like they knew that they were well they believed they were too far gone in it but they didn't want their their son to continue the toxicity um yeah. and it was yeah it's the first and only time that's happened on one of my streams usually i just tell people to fuck off and ban them but that was <laughs> that was the one time i was like fair play okay so you know so there is i think so many of us get get stuck in the idea that nobody can ever change their mind nothing can ever be done online which to a point i think is is true but every now and again you can just get someone at the right the right time or you can just notice the way they're speaking is actually not as bad as you may think which is something we'll definitely get onto um on the second podcast about about um the way people interpret and the way we just shut people down because that's stupid um <laughs> but, and there's yeah. a very very common thing in politics oh god yes um i mean it's it, it, yeah i um uh, yeah I, I definitely have a definitely have a story to get on about that which i will happily name the people because one of them knows he's a cunt so i don't care um, <laughs> so, um but um but yeah i think um definitely on on uh, mental health the the idea of goal setting is is so important and being like you said being aware or and because I, I was going the idea of mindfulness now i i have issue with the word mindfulness because of what it's become but because when you say mindfulness to people they people think go, oh yeah it is la la like gym where someone's in the corner going um and it's it's just not mindfulness is literally just being able to go 
oh, this is what's happening right now. I need to understand what's actually going on in my head right now, what's been affecting me. Okay, let's move on with it. That's all it is. It's basically taking stock. It's being, in a, it's being a shop owner and going in the back and going, fuck, I haven't got any of them anymore. That's all it is. But people- yeah, it's taking a minute to, to check in with yourself, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you feel your position is in your current situation. Just taking a few minutes to, to stop and think and breathe. And that's literally what mindfulness is. But this almost capitalist capture of it to market it and and develop it into this fad almost hmm. that it's taken away especially from the the psychological therapeutic element from it that people don't see it as an important therapeutic process anymore they just see it as this social thing that people talk about and dismiss these days which is which is a shame because mindfulness is a is a very important skill when when healing and, and engaging in in trauma therapy for example oh absolutely i mean i i'm a, i'm a little different i'd say it's productivist rather than capitalist but you know that's that's more of the political side um, <laughs> but yeah, i mean with the idea of, of mindfulness it is it is one of those things that gets just mashed up so much and i mean again on on things like twitch and youtube the amount of people who call themselves mental health um educators on mental health whatever and I'm there just going I, I want to headbutt you because there's so few of them whenever I search and all it becomes is positive vibes only fuck off just fuck off it's not yeah, I, can't, I can't do this positivity only it is so so damaging it's toxic it's it's exactly what it's meant to be you know I've got I have got a group of maybe I'd say four maybe five mental health people on places like Twitch and YouTube that I'll go, okay, I can, I can go to them. And you know what? I can probably go and say whatever I need to and they'll take it. Whereas if I go to someone that's positive vibes only and just going to go, you know, I'm having a bad day. It's just like, oh, well, be positive. It's, like, it's not a Dumbledore quote. Life isn't fucking Harry Potter. Piss off. And it just gets really, really ridiculous. So obviously on, on TikTok, you've created the, the MF network. Yes. Um, yes, that was completely unintentional. <laughs> hey, me being generally online called up for the challenge and suddenly being on other people's podcast was complete. I think the best things of these are when you're just going to go, oh, shit, what am I doing? Well, how am I doing this now? <laughs> I, have a, I have a God knows how expensive setup here with, you know, doing podcasts for the past two years with, with everyone. And I'm there going, this started as oh, a project. What the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, how did that kind of how did that happen for you? And obviously, yes, Danny, but kind of how did it progress? And what are you taking out of it? Because I, I I notice, and I I think you do it in some of your TikToks as well. This is my perception only. <clears throat> you seem to make sure of other people far more than yourself in these, which is a very kind of oh, everyone else is okay. Which if anyone knows any of my stuff, turn on your light first is always my way of thinking, which, you know, if, if your light is, is uh, dimming, you're a fuck all used to anybody else. But how have you used it to help yourself as well? Yeah, that's that's the tricky one. Um, <laughs> so MF Network, um, like most people our age at the beginning of the pandemic with nothing else to do, um, I saw TikTok was a thing. And I thought, well, I'll see what the fuss is about. I ended up downloading it. And 
during the time I was in the last year of my bachelor's degree. So I'd finished my 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 certificate in higher education and went, eh, let's make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. And and progressed to do a bachelor's with honors in, in psychology with the Open University. And then the pandemic hit three months before my the end of, of that. I think no, 18 months before I finished. So I was doing my bachelor's degree throughout the pandemic. I was looking after essentially my grandfather. Mm. Uh, this is his house um, all the way through the pandemic as well. And I needed something to entertain myself in between. So I downloaded TikTok. And at first, you know, you get the mainstream stuff. And I was like, oh, this isn't really, really in that fun. Um, and then I discovered the mental health community on TikTok and started engaging engaging there and just making a few posts and, and sharing a little bit of what I'd learned in, in my bachelor's degree. Um, and people started following me and started sharing their stories with me. And eventually I realized that it was very slowly becoming more of a, a community page than a personal page. Mm. And so I changed my account name to the MF Network. Um, multifaceted network um but i i don't often state what mf means because i let people's imaginations go where they want to go um and it creates a few giggles as well every now and then when people ask what what mf network actually stands for um so it's multifaceted network because essentially it's developed into a very international intersectional group of of trauma survivors mm. Um, so we have people from different places across the world, different languages, different cultures, different backgrounds, different races, different religions, different genders, different the whole kit and caboodle, um, different neurodivergencies and disabilities and experiences. Um, it's the trauma community in and of itself is one of the most diverse and inclusive communities you, you, there is out there because trauma doesn't doesn't really care who you are if it's going to if it's going to affect you it's going to affect you yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's how the mf network started was simply starting to share the knowledge that i'd acquired throughout my own education and my own life and and sharing bits and pieces from my own my own story um such as the the going through my dad's cancer battle and and what that was like and and the impact on my mental health and next thing i know i've got five thousand people following me and we're a massive community and i'm getting a reputation for calling out people on their racism and their homophobia and their transphobia and trying to educate and advocate for for mental health Mm. Um, and then uh, yeah it's become a family more than anything and I know that I very loudly and openly protect the community and I always will um, I will always stand up for for the vulnerable and and the disadvantaged and and those who who are beaten down by by systems and by other people mm. because I know what that's like yeah um I didn't have somebody growing up that I could turn to um, for safety and guidance. And so I, I set out to be that person for other people. Um, 
and that in itself has brought me so many friendships and and positive relationships that I'm starting to heal because of the community. If that makes sense. It it does. It so beforehand I was agoraphobic, completely agoraphobic. It took me seven years to leave my house. I've been out and about for five. Um but I very, very much struggled speaking to people. Mm. And so the MF network has made it almost a, a learning process of, of learning how to become sociable, how to form friendships, how to learn trust in other people and how to trust that other people will be there to support me as much as I'm there to support them. There we go. Uh, yeah. A very, it's very reciprocal. Uh, reciprocal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, for example, back in December, December is always a very difficult time for me. Um, unfortunately, uh, one of our original community members um, committed suicide, and I was the last person they spoke to. Um, and I tried to help them and get uh, people out to them, but it, too late. And the community, the MF network, were absolutely amazing. They they did an account takeover. They sent videos to be posted on the MF network page so that I didn't have to take time out of, of processing what had just happened. And and yeah, they they really looked after us as, as much as I'd I'd looked after them throughout the year. And it's become a safe space for people. And I think that's the yeah. The pride uh, and the, the joy that I feel in seeing other people thrive and, and start to heal and, and feel safe. Yeah. That's that's worth everything for me. Yeah, you've you've managed to kind of create your own your own network for you. The the, the reason I was just like it it did make sense and, and my reluctance was because I, I hear similar ways of talking from a lot of people who base it different, but um who is like oh but me helping someone else helps me and I'm like that's the trauma <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a problem and so I'm, I'll quickly go over the analogy that I I created and I probably picked up bits from a 50 other people um when I first became up for the challenge um which is the reason I say turn on your light first is because if you're in a if you're in a hallway and there's two rooms at either end and it's nighttime and the lights are completely out and you hear someone asking for you and you just run to them without any other care for it, you're gonna fall over, you're gonna trip, you're gonna cut yourself, bruise yourself. You will get to that person eventually, but it'll be far later than you should have got there and you wanted to get there. And then you'll finally turn their light on, you'll be able to help them, but now you're battered, bruised, cut, and you're in no good place and they've waited until to get the help. If you make sure that your light is on first, now you can see part of the hallway. You can see that bit that you're going to trip over. You can see the path lit ahead of you. And so you can get to them far quicker. You don't fall over. You're not battered, bruised. They're helped quicker. You're not um, damaged by it. And both lights are remaining on. One doesn't have to go on. Theirs doesn't have to go on just to make sure that yours can continue because theirs is, theirs is on now. We're going to run back up the hallway and turn yours on. No, you're already battered and bruised. But some people, those who tend to be more oh, it's somebody else and I can help them, so it's great. And, oh, I've eaten today, I've had a shower, which I fucking hate those. Oh, have some water, fuck off. 
that to me is just somebody holding a candle. So it's, oh, well, I'm doing the bare minimum. Okay, so you've got a candle now. So you're walking down this hallway with a candle, but the same thing remains. One trip, one um, gust of wind, anything can turn that candle out and now you're back to square one again. So there's so many people that do find something in somebody else, but the problem is you're better and bruised before the light finally touches you. And I, I, that was why I was reluctant when you said it. I was like, I'm really hoping that you're going somewhere else and you did. So um, <laughs> is that the yeah. creation of a network so around it? Originally, I was one of these people. And for a lot of these people, it's a trauma response. Absolutely. Because we're trying to avoid our own trauma because it's easier to deal with this on the outside than it is to face our own pain and our own upset. And this is why a lot of us who are traumatized will find ourselves helping everybody else before we help ourselves. Yeah. And then we will give the, oh, well, helping them helps me feel good about myself. And it will do because one, you're doing a good thing. And two, you're giving yourself a very positive um, way of avoiding your own trauma and avoiding your trauma is actually just letting it sit there and and it's it's still there you can run away from it all you like it's and it's going to follow you around yeah um and so it has been a learning process for me and i do have an awful lot of things that i'm still working on in therapy and i'll continue to work on in therapy for many years and this is one of them is is learning to take space for myself mm -hmm. take take time for myself and and to speak up to myself and with the the trauma condition that i i was diagnosed with at the beginning of pandemic it is very highly and violently stigmatized um and the community has often stayed hidden for for many years and there's a few of us like myself who are on on tiktok and social media very active talking about it um and addressing it and addressing the stigma and the myths and by coming forwards and op being open about it on TikTok it's allowed other people to feel like they can talk about it too and so I think there's other ways of turning your light on without having to walk down that hallway you can just turn your light on and let people know you're there let people know your story let them know that they're not alone and then they will start to turn their lights on too. And the whole house gets filled. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, I mean, you, you like you say, turning on your light, they can see it. So whatever they need to help with is probably light in their room as well. Absolutely. I mean, I won't go into, because otherwise I'll just go into 50 different analogies because I have one for the not going into the stuff. Because um, this is how you start off when you do stuff about mental health, because it's what people relate to. You just create yeah, 50 yeah. different analogies because we all we all kind of get it, but we, we don't. And, and that's always been my, my thing as well. And the biggest stigma and the biggest issue, and actually an issue for that I found, um, some of the worst people to do with mental health for me are people that suffer from mental health in gatekeeping what you can talk about in mental health pisses me off no end because um there's this assumption that if you're autistic everyone is this way if you suffer from depression everyone so no 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 no. you're an individual the same as everyone is an individual you don't you don't just suddenly you are not the archetype for everyone who has your mental health issue from there which is exactly the biggest problem with media in general because that that's why i really dislike stereotype and oh, everyone's got to fit into this box otherwise you're not that and oh. that's completely nonsense yeah. it's it's just drivel 
um, there is no one type of of mental health condition that that does have a copy and, and paste. Yeah, you well, know the DSM five. Oh, I've that fucking book. Oh my. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyone that doesn't know what the DSM five is, is the diagnostic. Oh, I can't remember the fucking name. It's something. The diagnostic statistics manual, manual of mental health conditions, and it is the most reductive, limited, and uh, quite dangerously uh, well used book. Yes, absolutely. When it comes to mental health, um, I mean, there are many very, very complex mental health conditions in there that have no more than two pages of summary and bullet points. How a GP is supposed to understand the nuances and intricacies of, of that condition with just bullet points is beyond me. Um, so why people use this summary sheet, this cheat sheet, as a as the the holy grail of what mental health condition is, is it goes over my head. It's just fucking ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Uh, CITD is, is no better either, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they kind of nick things from each other as well. I mean, it's, if you use the DSM or anything like that, I think um, in the same way you would do any other part of life, you could technically define your car as a house. Um, because the bullet points that you would have to fit to make it something far bigger are so small and it is so ridiculous you can completely wipe out um a, a, a section of of the world and the community by the way that the dsm pushes people forward and it's just nonsense um we have to remember as well the dsm is extremely out of date i mean i believe it was last published back in 2011 it is due to be republished it's due to be uh, updated mm. um our advances in knowledge psychology psychiatry neuroscience biology chemistry have advanced so much in the last five years let alone the last 10 that that, that you might as well throw the dsm5 in the bin oh, at this point I think most psych, uh, I think most psychologists, counselors, and everything I know, even in America, where the DSM um, is technically from, um, none of them like it. None of them want to use it. The only ones that do are the the ones that are doing it purely for profit, and it's the biggest issue. I mean, I, I have there's my my issues with um, with that is that that then causes people to be reductionist for themselves and the community, even when they suffer, because they go, well, I fit these, therefore, it, it's it's astrology that's that's what it is it's astrology it's that, that's all it is and it, it's it's dangerous as fuck um i do think things like tiktok are very helpful they do of course have issues because you can have different people on there which is something i do want to go, go on to but it can be so helpful for certain people i mean the obvious one for me um is that you have people on there who you don't necessarily think of as suffering from mental health issues who then start to open up and the obvious one for me because anybody that has been with um, the podcast for long enough will know this friend of the sh friend of the show is call me Chris. Um, Cause call me Chris has got what 60 million followers on TikTok, another 6 million on YouTube, about half a million on Twitch. And she was a guest here when this was a student project, when this was part of student minds back two years ago, she was one of the very first guests. She then came on again later when she hit like 20 million. Um, and, I think this was the one of the first times she actually opened up about mental health and depression, suicidal ideation was on this podcast. Um, and then it was on TikTok. And then she even did it on her own YouTube channel. 
I think things like that really help because the biggest issue that I think a lot of people have with social media is that it's there's a falsity to it. And obviously, if you look at Chris from the outsides, you know, happy, uh, uh, attractive, funny, you know, it's, oh, well, why can't I be that? You know, all that kind of thing. And then she's coming out going, I'm, I'm a fucking mess. Like, what? this is, this is, I can scream and shout about everything being bad and people just don't want to listen or, you know, and so that those are really helpful. I think TikTok has definitely helped in showing people that everyone can be, fucked up and anybody that wants to complain about me using the words fucked up fuck off it's my interpretation of my mental health fuck you um so it's you know anybody's anybody that doesn't know where to turn everybody always thinks well somebody else is so much better and you're kind of going well look this is we're all at different different stages in our own journey of, of figuring out who we are let alone our mental health or anything else yeah um so yeah we're all at different stages no one's going to be you know looking at someone and going oh well they're much better off than me they're they're, they've got so far much further than me well you don't know how long they've been fighting you don't know how long they've been working and we're all at different stages our own paths are our own and while we can look at others who walk beside us for for support and for guidance you know a few tips and tricks along the way comparing ourselves our traumas and our healing doesn't doesn't work because each one is unique to each one of us you know how we become traumatized everyone experiences trauma similarly the symptoms the physical symptoms and and things like this are you know there's overlap across most peoples within the community but the experience itself your personal experience is your personal experience and that is valid in and of itself yeah um you know so one trauma isn't greater or lesser than another one person's healing isn't greater or lesser than another because we can't compare this because there is no comparison to uniqueness your trauma story your healing story is unique to you and that's valid um so yeah I do try and avoid the the comparisons. Um, it is that fact again that everyone is an individual, and it is weird when when you get labelled with a, a mental health um, issue, you don't suddenly lose your individuality, except you do for everyone else. Uh, it's weird. It's like saying you've got ginger hair, therefore all gin. And you were you were although actually saying that we have put a stereotype that are all fiery, but you know what I mean. It's that kind of one thing about somebody that wears red t-shirts well you've got a red t-shirt on therefore and uh, you're male everyone with a red t-shirt now is male well that's what the fuck are you on about like it, yeah. it's that kind of yeah. really reductivist ideal that just says well you're all the same and that's it and it just gets so damaging for everyone um but i, I do think social media has helped people realize that as well uh, because yeah. people have COVID, i think i think yes. lockdown is all of us being pushed into isolation and, and, and locked down in our houses and unable to socially interact with one another in the real world mm. was an extremely traumatic experience across the globe for everyone. We've all had a fair share of post-traumatic stress in the last two years globally. Mm. Um, and, you know, TikTok was, was a way to find that, that social community and that interaction that you don't really get on other platforms. Um, yeah. And so I think TikTok with that, the, the ability to video reply and have this back and forth 
partly um, much like a podcast. It's allowed people during the pandemic to to be honest about their lives. They've had nothing, you know, stuck in their house houses. They're sat there taking stock of their life, and it's like, well, maybe I'm not on my own. Maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe and TikTok has really, I think, helped people make a lot of self discoveries and and changes in their in in their own lives all across the world. Oh yeah, um, I mean don't think would have happened if if covid didn't appear um, yeah it's, it's that it's that kind of weird weird thing with it i mean for me it was it was twitch uh, on tiktok i'm a i'm a pretty i'm basically unknown um i've i'm one of those people that just posted everything and then i've just gone with the the daily the daily chats now on there and that's it i don't give a fuck anymore um i'm still on there and i'm still active and i have friends like we follow each other of people that have millions of followers it's like Ah, fuck it but on twitch is where i'm i'm active and i'm far more known and then in the wider world i'm far more known but it's um but it's the same same thing because twitch has that immediate response you've got that chat going on all the time and you can you can do that i mean i i always say that that twitch basically saved my life i mean among so many other things but my my when my wife passed away she passed away in our house and then lockdown came and i wasn't allowed to leave it and that must have been tough there was a year in the same house that she died in so I lived in my office I mostly slept in my office most of the time as well um and and among 50 million other different things twitch um in the same way as tiktok is for someone uh, some people twitch was just there and there were people that made me laugh in the time that I couldn't and that's it and then people just went well why don't you turn on the camera and I was like okay but I'm just a grumpy grumpy Brit so I went on and ranted for two hours about how bad Rain Man was um and then suddenly i i fit i fitted i i I always call myself a monkey in a suit because i fitted everything on paper that people want to see in mental health you know i wear anyone that's wondering by the way i wear this purely because i like the way it looks i'm not buddhist i have no interaction with this i just it's pretty um but you know i i wear this i have the the singing bowl i have the you know, meditation. My, I, on paper, I look right, and then my voice and me going "go fuck yourself" comes out, and it's like, wait a minute, what? So I suddenly got. I, I ended up being invited on things where pe- people were not used to someone that shouted, swore, would happily get in your face about mental health, um, which is why I always. Mm-hmm. I this again, I haven't done this in a while. Piers Morgan, if you want me on your show, bring it the fuck on. You won't do it because you're a spineless cunt. However do it just just trust me because you have no viewers we know this we know they've given you viewer figures put me on there i will guarantee you you'll get some viewership probably from america as well because i will talk back you pathetic little ass anyway um i every now and again i like to throw that in i'm learning having to uh restraining myself uh it's one of the things i've got a bit of a reputation for um on tiktok and that is my uh, very abrasive and direct good language i will i will call people out and i i don't really care if if it hurts their feelings that's on them to figure out they shouldn't have been twats in the first fucking place yeah um but now that i am uh, elected into county council i have to be more mindful of my language because political etiquette dictates that i'm not allowed to call people fucking cunts anymore um so i have to find creative ways of doing it instead so you're far nicer for anyone that doesn't know my background is politics i was an elected uh, politician as well um 
I was no nicer when I was um, elected, and I, I was a national rep and and stuff. And I've got, I was just as bad, but I don't think I had. Um, I, I'd been involved in politics for a long time before I got to it, and I think people just knew there was no fucking point trying to stop me. Was <laughs> at that point I'd been before I got elected, I had been on regional committees, executive committees. I'd been on national executive committees, and I think they just went, you know what? It's just easier to let him do this than it will be to try and shout at him because he'll just shout louder. So, yeah, for fun. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's different paths. I I am fully against politicians wherever they are not being able to speak their mind because fuck that you should always be able to um and i know there's probably as you say there's people that have told you specific political etiquette um if you're one of those people shut the fuck up um if somebody yeah apparently apparently there is a right way and a wrong way to uh, call out your your local mp for supporting racist racist policies huh, well i've done that um because i don't yeah, I did that and got a put all over wales news Oh, uh, good. You know, my way of thinking that is that um, Welsh News now know what you think of them. Um, yeah, so... I well, 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 uh, <laughs> well, online, you know, uh, BBC Wales had me on... Yeah. Oh, we'll, we, will, we will definitely get into it. Under that called MP Racist. I'll put my hands up. Yes, I did. People oh, supporting okay. racist policies, in my mind, are supporting racist policies and therefore presenting racist behaviours. Oh, I mean, I mean, I'm I mean, going to pull that shit out. I made the point about Natalie Elphick, who um, had a go at Marcus Rashford and basically said he should stick to a uh, stick in his own line, stick to, to football, then get involved in politics. My immediate response to that was to go onto Twitch and YouTube and point out the fact Natalie Elphick went to the University of Kent, where Natalie, so did I. We were there, I think, at the same time. And her background is law. Mine is politics. So if we're going to stick our own in our own lines, get the fuck out of my backyard as well. Um, <laughs> so, but the point I made, you know, it's, it's racism full stop. And um, I, I still have friends in, in the political party that I was a member of, and I'm pretty sure they would let me back in because, you know, fuck them. And um, news broadcasters won't have people, news broadcasters don't like having people on. This is the reason that um, peers will never do it. The reason I don't get onto BBC is because I don't care about swearing. I don't care about their protocols. Trigger warnings irritate me um, because they know full well that I won't be meek as they expect. Like I've just set up a mental health charity. If you see people from mental health charities on there generally, it is someone that is reserved. Yes, okay. And they're, very, they're nice people. And I have never pretended to be a nice person. I'll say this for any of my followers, any of my subscribers on any of the things. I am not a nice person. I've never pretended to be a nice person. I'm an asshole. The difference is, is whether I'm your kind of asshole. That's it. Because yeah. I quite often turn around and go, I ain't nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fucking cunt. I am a cunt. If you get on the wrong side of me, I will tear you to shreds. Yeah, it's that. You know, I'm not going to be pleasant and sugarcoat anything either, because sometimes you just need to hear the truth. And that's going to hurt. And that's the biggest problem. And if that makes me a cunt, it makes me a cunt. That's that's on you to deal with that. It's one of the biggest problems with, with mental health, I think, is that you're either people either think you're you're quote unquote crazy or that you're a saint. And that's why I continually have to say to my community, like, don't big me up because oh, oh thank you for helping me with this. And I'll say this again. I didn't help you. I pointed out 
I always say, fuck, it's an analogy again. Fuck it. If you go to the gym and you ask someone where the weights are and they point at them and you lift them, they didn't help you lift the weights. They showed you where they were. That's all it fucking is. I and other people are not here. We are not the ones that brought you up. You did that. We just showed you which ways to go. That's it. So that, that always annoys me about that because you're not a saint for doing it. You know, I, I always say that my entrance music for anything should be, I am aware that I am an asshole. That's, that, that's it, you know, and the trigger warnings always irritate me for, the, for, for, for a kind of similar reason that you can't be yourself because trigger warnings fuck me off because of the fact that they are created by neurotypicals for a neurodivergent world that they don't want to speak out. Because trigger- to a degree, to a degree. However, coming from a trauma background, both academically and personally, Trigger warnings are, um, so the word triggered has, is something that really annoys me. Yeah. <laughs> over and over and over and over again, where because someone has been offended or they're upset or they don't like something, they're not triggered. Triggered is a, is a, is a therapeutic term. It's a clinical term for someone who has experienced trauma and their automatic nervous system in their brain has been activated. It's been triggered in response to a stimuli in the environment or, or, or uh, something that has triggered that reaction in the brain. And people use this term and fly it around all over the place that it's lost its, its meaning, it's lost its weight in the therapeutic process itself. Um, I know a lot of psychologists are constantly posting and, and complaining about this. Um, because it damages the healing process and trigger one is especially on things when you're talking about um, for example sexual assault and, and rape and abuse things like this to suddenly be plastered with graphic contents when you're a traumatized person on social media when you're not expecting that that can trigger um, that automatic nervous system so those warnings are are necessary um but i do think people are taking that to extremes i do think people are i are, you know there's a difference between a content warning and a trigger warning it's why i always think there's for me a lot of it comes down to how you um how you label it as well so trigger warnings for me have always irritated me because one you will have to because if you tr- do a trigger warning for everything then somebody's decided what the triggers are for everyone and which means you've always left out triggers for someone so for me if you're trigger warning some things and not others then you've caused an issue there anyway because now you're validating and non-validating someone else's triggers which is a problem because that's usually done by neurotypicals trying to to push it because they've gone well we think because this is what we understand has been triggering therefore that's the thing that's triggering and now somebody else that's actually triggered into into a response isn't validated and they can feel even worse because their validation of their own trigger is an issue. But I always think that the labeling of it as well is, I always think it should be open discussion and closed discussion rather than saying triggered. And if you say, because the word triggered is, or trigger warning is the same as if you see a stop sign. And I think that's always kind of, oh shit. Okay. Or I think for me, and you know, I have quote unquote triggers the same as everybody else. And I think if I'm if I'm if I see something that's a warning sign, I'm immediately going to go, okay. I'm. You are set back of kind of, okay. Whereas if you go into something that goes, look, we will have material. This is open. We will have material in here. You may well not like. It's going to. Ha- it, it's not going to happen. It can happen. This is what's here. This is what the open discussion is. 
to me, that's a better way of doing it. It's like going, oh, fuck it, analogies again, fuck it. Going into a, if you go into a shop for trainers and you have two salespeople, you go into one and one of them says, um, okay, so we've got the expensive shoes over there, but you don't want to go for them. They're really expensive. They're really, I mean, you only want to go there if you've got the money. If you've got the money, maybe you can go over there. They're really, really expensive. And we've got the cheaper ones over there. You, you probably want to go over to that bit because these ones, I mean, you can go in there, but they're really expensive. And then you've got the other um, salesperson that goes, hey, we've got, we've, got some, we've got some over there. They're a bit more expensive. You may want to go in there. You may want to check them out, see what they're like, but they are a bit more expensive. Just be aware. Then we've got the other ones, um, the other trainers over here. That's, you know, have a look through that. And they're easy. You can probably get a couple of pairs of them. You can sort that out. Have a peruse. Do what you need. Yeah. The first one to me is how society is created. It's a little bit different. Um, so you remember VHS tapes? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I know, I know that the younger generation probably will not be, especially the youngest, will not be aware of these. Um, or DVDs. Had those, the series of labels you'd always have. So you had the little green triangle but with a G saying it was generally okay for everyone. And then, you know, 12, 15, 18, yeah. PG. We had these content warning labels. And that was to indicate the level of content within the within the program that we were watching. And, you know, that is a, a very key thing in, in, our, in our memories and from our childhood that we can relate to this because we need these content warnings to be aware of what type of content we're going to be taken in. Mm. Um, and we got those, you know, just a little label on the front box of whatever film or video you wanted to watch. Um, but you'd often find then when you got into it and you started playing the cassette, God, it's been a long time since I played a cassette. Um, yeah. You would, ha you would ha then have this warning, explicit warning come up at the top and it would indicate things like nudity um, and tell you explicitly what those explicit warnings were and that to me is the same as having content warnings on your social media and trigger warnings on your social media content warnings let you know what type of content we're going to be talking about because this could be a sensitive subject it could be whether we're talking about mental health or not you know it could be controversial it could be something that um quite often erupts into arguments so for example we're going to talk about white privilege yeah. you know we're going to end up with some arguments and yeah. um, so putting out a, a warning some warning is probably the wrong word but a content indicator i think is is uh, helpful rather than than anything else and then having that trigger warning for more explicit things which we understand in common parlance as being very damaging and very harmful especially if people as young as as you know 13 through 18 which you do get on tiktok might be exposed to so i do think that there is a need and an element of having trigger warnings and content content indicators on our on our social media posts depending on what we're talking about it's all about the context if we're doing it for every single post on every subject that we're talking about it loses its meaning it loses its power of saying this might not be for you yeah i think the again so it's, it's using it in moderation it's the wording as well that i think that's and i've, I've said this to you before the wording is my biggest issue because when you put warning when you say like i say it it 
for me, that almost defines it. For, so for me, the content warning would be, for, I'll say Twitch because it's where I'm most active. Um, the content warning is the fact that mine is an 18 channel. It just is. And the fact that it's an open discussion is the trigger warning because that is what's telling you. But at no point does my thing say warning because yeah. the second you have warning, to me, that wall goes up and you define those things as being more important triggers. When there's a big sign, that's telling other that's telling people we've identified these things not necessarily what you're doing is identifying what potential triggers are in that specific content but it's assumptive enough if you're not if you're not going to be talking about abuse then that's not a trigger warning you're going to need on that content it doesn't mean that you're neglecting that that is a valid trigger it's just that it's not something in this piece of material that is relevant so to this, that's but it's where, still valid. And that's where I think people get stuck, is we've been brought up very much in this, either this or that. This constant binary of things are either one or the other. Things are either in or they're out. And life isn't like that. The world isn't like that. Society isn't like that. Um, many, many times it's both and. We can have both this and that and two opposites can also coexist together and these are these are things that we get from therapy as well oh yeah but then that's so for me that's why for instance the second salesperson makes sense because they are doing this or that i think the first one is more binary the first warning this is it that becomes more binary for me that is the binary my way of saying you don't put a, a, a explicit warning up you do it as an open discussion that's where it isn't because you can still have someone walk into the more expensive um trainers but also at one point they may not want those expensive trainers they may not be able to deal with that so they get to go and go actually today i can't be an open discussion i need to be somewhere else i think trigger warnings as they currently exist do create the binary because they make people go if that's this, that's that. The other thing as well is I think we're, we're talking on the same point, but in different ways, because yeah. I'm used to a, um, a live back and forth, which means I can't dictate whether a discussion is going to go to a specific trauma because something may just come up. So from, from I think in, in active discussion, that's far different because you, you can't. And this is where the importance of context comes yeah. in. Yeah. If you're making a quick... TikTok video with, you know, not really much of a discussion, but you're trying to portray something, you're not able to have that open discussion and say, right, well, we're going to talk about this, but just a heads up, there could be anything that comes into this. You know, you don't get that with with other forms of, of communication. So again, it's where where it's needed in context. When it's out of context, it is excessive and it loses its impact and its meaning. When it's yeah. in context, such as on short clips, which are not going into open discussions, then they're needed more often. Um, but in open discussions like this, we can say, well, you know, people yeah. are going to swear, we're going to be ourselves, we're not going to, you know, censor um the language or the subjects and people can step out of the conversation and press pause if they like yeah i mean i i used to do trigger warnings on these videos for swearing and then i took it away because of because of my viewpoint because i think it again yeah, i don't i don't want for swearing or anything like that there's an awful lot of of um scientific papers which will will quite 
extensively back myself up here. Swearing is a indicator of, of somebody's language abilities. It takes a lot of language skill to be able to swear in context, in the correct language, in the correct structures, with the correct uh, in, uh, inflection of it. And we've been able to see in psychological studies that, that swearing in the workplace creates bonds between teammates, it can reduce emotional pain, and it can be healing for the for the, the trauma process. Oh, yeah. So while I have quite often been challenged by uh, some some people in my, my constituency for my language and for calling myself cunt and this, that and the other, I will quite happily say, actually, actually, swearing is not a bad thing. It's only believed to be a bad thing because it was socially inappropriate a long time ago but what we know from science and research and psychology now is it's a very useful and helpful thing to our health and our mental well-being oh yeah and i mean it's i, I made this point to someone last night actually actually um kadaya who won't mind me saying um saying her name because it's not a bad thing against her but i made a point on her stream and if anyone doesn't know kadaya has also been a guest on here so go and look at the episode with her um on her stream last night uh, we were talking about swearing actually um, with the word cunt and I made the point that she then said oh well I could have called them a, um, um, a ninny muggins and I, I made the point of I would be more insulted if someone called me a ninny muggins because I think that takes more backtracking and thought in your head to actively try and insult me than the word cunt it's you know because that's an immediate thing you know there's a there's a bit by Reginald D Hunter who says about uh um, friendships in the UK. In in America, you go, hey, this is Brad. He's a really great guy. And again, England is like, this is Dave, bit of a twat. And it's that kind of. It's just. It's more open. There's. Actual... I'll walk. I'll walk into my friend Sarah's house. Go. All right, bitch. Put the fucking kettle on. Oh yeah. Oh. You know, no knocking on the door. No phoning to let her know that I'm on my way. I just walk straight in. Oi, you cunt. Get on the fucking kettle. My favourite one. <laughs> I used to be. Um, how um, we're throwing the the cunt around um, <laughs> before anybody starts going. It's such a horrible word. It's the worst word. The uh, the from if I understand, um, people are welcome to correct me if I'm wrong on this. Uh, the origins of the word cunt comes from uh, the name of a Hindu goddess, Kuntai. I may have said that wrong. Who was the feminine uh, goddess of strength? Uh, the goddess of feminine strength and beauty. That's that's the origins of cunt. <laughs> Feminine strength and beauty. Now I'm non-binary, but the fact that this is um, embodying strength and beauty as two elements that are co-existing uh, in one is a beautiful thing. And it makes it a beautiful world. And in, in my social circles, it's a term of endearment, not an insult, um, you know? Yeah, I mean, and there's a big difference between the language we use for one another here in the UK and and oh, absolutely, uh, UK, Australia. Tom. Yeah, we're we're, we're the yeah. ones that use it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, my my interpretation of the etymology of of the words is Germanic and Frisian, um, but actually a, a similarish way. So it, it's 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 um it's 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 connected very closely with um with weddings and um and consummation but not in a not in a kind of harsh way it's around love so it, different background from my understanding of etymology but very very similar there and i think it's it's really i'm sure that someone will be able to give us the it's exact in 
yeah, be someone in between. Yeah. Actually, but again, these know, lang with language and and words, their meaning changes from from different cultures and across different times. We we see this with so many concepts in in the social structures of life as well. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, actually, that, that never remains the same. It's similar to similar to those um, video cassettes you were saying earlier, which is also my issue with um, warnings is that. Um, if you look at something that was an 18 from 1920 or something, actually pretty well in new films, I mean, 1940, and you go, that was an 18, what the fuck, that's, that's, that's a you now. That's also because yeah. social constructs change, and that's also an issue I have with the triggers as well. But yeah, I mean, swearing, it's, swearing to me is the, is, it comes into the same thing of shutting to someone down for talking about their trauma, no matter what their trauma is, is the same thing with swearing, because you go, oh, you've said that word, therefore we're not going to listen to you. It's... Dave's Dangerous Minds. I mean, I don't know if you remember that film. It's, it's the it's that exact fucking scene from Dangerous Minds where a kid dies and um, Michelle Pfeiffer goes, "What? So he had to die because he didn't knock." And it's that. It's this idea of you didn't knock on the um, the principal's office to tell them that you were under uh, you were under attack by someone you were, you were going to die, and they sent you away, and then you end up dying. That's the same thing. And for some people, unfortunately, it is that black and white of you don't listen to them when they're swearing at swearing and shouting and screaming. They can die. So I really hate it when people shut them down for, for swearing because it's completely, it's completely nonsensical. You know, if someone's trying to get their point across, they may only really, in their impassioned moments, only be able to relate in swearing. We don't have a go at, um, you know, sailors because they come back and swear all the time because that's the, that's the community they're in. In the same way, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily swear around my mother, but if I did, she's going to know that something's wrong because she's going to be like, there's no way Adam would swear around me. Like, my mum's been on this podcast and I actively at the beginning of the podcast said, I won't be swearing today. But if I did, my mum would automatically go, what's wrong? Because I don't swear around her, you know? So it is important that we don't just shut people off for that as well. And it's, it's so important that we have these discussions. And there. English will come through somewhere, as we've just had there, is that we both agree and disagree on trigger warnings, which is allowed, guys. Yeah, you're allowed to have <laughs> opinion. And I think what we have to remember is, so my, while I am now, for all intents and purposes, a politician, <laughs> how the fuck that happened? Like, um, that's the story. Um, I... You know, I will always use common language and things like this. I come from a psychological background. I come from a mental health background. I come from an abuse background. That is my lens on the world. That is the world experience I've had. So my perspective of, of different concepts and things is um, kind of glazed with this perspective. For yourself, you're, you're academically changing politics. You've spent an awful lot in that lens. So that's how you have a, an additional lens on, yeah. on the world, on how you perceive things and how you per, uh, understand things like trigger warnings. You see it more in the political context than you do in the psychological context. Somebody who is a uh, English lit professor may see it completely different to how me and you do. And that's perfectly okay. We all have our own perceptions based on our own world experience and education and knowledge base. And I think we need to start moving away from this. It has to be this one thing and that's it because that may only be coming from one perspective mm. and there's more than one way to look at, at something. You know, you can, to use an analogy, we can all be looking at the same piece of art on the wall. I mean, we can all be looking at the, 
the swords and the stuff on the wall behind me. And we can argue about what they are, but each one of us are looking at the exact same thing. We're just perceiving it differently. And our experience of what we're perceiving is different to one another. And I think it's something we always have to constantly remind ourselves of is that, yes, it's perfectly okay to disagree on a subject. It doesn't mean either one of us is necessarily wrong. We're just understanding it from the education, the knowledge and the experience that we have and the lens that we see the world in. Yeah, I mean, most of that is then, most of each person's interpretation will be continually um, backed up by any anecdotal continuation they have within to, with other people. So it's yeah. it's always, you, you know, you always have that reflection. Like you say, you could have an English um, lit professor, or you could have sociology, although we'll leave them away. Um, <laughs> you could have anthropology, you could have whoever, who just go, you know, actually it's this way or that way. As long as you're way of doing things isn't directly harsh and people may think that's weird coming from me because I come across as an asshole who swears but I'm not necessarily harsh to someone unless they are actively attacking um if somebody's going to come into my community for instance and immediately throw out that they want to end their life I got very irritated and I still get irritated with the twitch user who berated the person that did that in their chat then went onto twitter and said that that person was wrong for doing it because what about everybody else? We can't assume someone in trauma to not be in trauma. So, you know, fuck all that. I can tell you from personal experience, while it may look like on the surface we are coping, we're fine, we're, we're happy and healthy, the trauma is constantly there, yeah. constantly. And it changes who you are as a person. It changes your behaviour. So I'm constantly looking out this window because I've seen cars move. And that to me, my body is constantly on alert for changes in my environment because of the trauma. So while I'm sat here, you know, perfectly comfortable having a conversation, my body itself is still very much aware of what's happening around me because of that trauma. So it's a constant. Yeah. And it's always impacting on us in various different ways, whether it's it's visible or not. Yeah. And then if you're in a, a, an incredibly... Um, I don't like to use the word low day, but if you're in a time when it's very heightened and somebody just kind of treats you as, okay, well, I don't like the way you're talking or I don't like the way you're speaking, it's like, well, wait, <laughs> yeah. I, I need someone to fucking talk to them. The thing I always pointed out was that person who went into a person chat, one, if you don't agree with it, fine. No need to berate them, especially no reason to go onto Twitter and then berate them again. Now, you didn't do it by that name, but you did. That is extremely toxic behavior. Massively toxic. And the point I always make is, if you cannot deal with that, and you are, you're worried about your community like anybody would be, if you're using, which this person did use, the tag mental health, if you're using a mental health tag, then for me, the bare minimum you need is a resource. Um, tag it's resource link because all you need to do at that point is to say well i am a mental health chat because you may suffer from mental health issues but you should be able to go you know what i need some exclamation mark resources and brings up somebody's resources because then all you need to do is have one of your mods who will be there the second somebody in, comes in talking like that you can have it set so that you do exclamation mark resources and it just literally says i do not i cannot deal with this i am not somebody that is open to this i am worried about my my chat however if you are in need right now resources you know, that's all you need to do rather than going, oh, you know, you're a piece of shit because you came in and did that. That really pisses me off. And that's that's when that changes to be 
right or wrong in my head that's when yeah. it's taken to the extreme because it's like can... someone especially when they're having a trauma response or they're feeling suicidal with any form of invalidation or dismissal invalidates that experience and in that experience they're in crisis they need space they need grounding they need support and they need resources yeah. this is one of the reasons why um, a lot of people like my in the trauma community like our mfn account because we have a link tree which has a very very extensive list of resources as well as peer-reviewed academic studies to back up um you know breaking down stigmas and misconceptions and and educating and providing the actual education rather than misinformed advocacy mm. um, and having that resource there is, is shared amongst the the TikTok communities in mental health and trauma quite actively um, by many people who have far bigger followings than I do and it's become a, a vital resource for many people in the in the in the trauma community and it's needed if especially if you are going to be talking about mental health you know you need to be able to direct people to these these resources and these help helplines and fair enough um, they may not always be best but in a time of crisis if you are isolated and there isn't anybody else available and you need help then those resources are going to be your lifeline and not knowing where to go for them not knowing how to access them can can be detrimental so yeah having that list of resources is is always a, a, a crucial thing and something that we very much have on the network and always adding to it as as new new research and new skills and new techniques come out yeah and i mean I, anything there there was english there somewhere i swear to god so if you go down um, below guys i will make sure that both my resources page and uh, Little's resources page are there. So you may find we have some of the same, you may find they're completely different, but hopefully somewhere in there, there's gonna be something that is good for you to reach out to. So I'll make yeah. sure that both resources pages are down there as well for you. Um, I have in my resources page, it's not, I don't have stuff just directed at people who may be struggling with their mental health or maybe struggling with, with trauma or suicidality. Um, there's also resources in there for friends, family, carers and supporters as well, so that there's guidance for, for those who aren't experiencing the crisis as firsthand, but as a as a secondary um, witnessing that and supporting that. They need resources too. They need guidance too. They need help and support too. It isn't a one-way thing here. And so you will find some resources for, for carers and, and friends and family of those who are struggling with, with trauma and, and mental health. Which is, I think, something I'm missing. So I may steal some resources. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you'll probably, you probably will find some of those resources overlapping now, guys, because I think I'm going to steal some. Um, was there anything else, uh, as I know we're coming to the end of uh, part one of this, we're going to come back. I know we've got a bit political now, but we're going to get far more political in the next, um, the next one. But is there anything that you think I've missed or that you wanted to say or, or um, finish off? Well, I just want to round it up with the going back, circling back to the education. Um, the TikTok community I'm with celebrated with me um, last year, actually, when I finished my bachelor's degree with the Open University. After going through a diagnosis, after going through my dad's cancer battle, you know, COVID, um, came out with a first class honours and distinction um, on, on everything uh, with a 1-1 a finish. 
um, and got accepted into King's College London Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience, which they have a 13% acceptance rate. And I got in automatically without uh, being put on the wait list. So I was, that was a massive, massive achievement in my life, something I never thought I would be able to achieve, something I never thought I'd be able to get into. To be honest, I didn't realize how prestigious King's was until after I'd already applied. Mm. Um, and people were like, oh, you got into King's, that's fantastic. I'm like, is it? Okay. Um, but to me, education is what saved my life. It's what built the MF network. It's what's established a reciprocal safe community for for thousands of, of trauma survivors. And fair enough, the MF network's on its seventh account now because we have been shut down by uh, mass reports on TikTok because they don't like it when you call the white people out. Um, so we are often starting again, but I think that education that I've gone through has has brought me to where I am now with the community in my ability to help people and give that information to them and pass that on in a way that I know is educational rather than misinformation because I've got that the actual education to go with my personal lived experience of trauma and knowing that it's it's helped a few people um, start their own paths to healing make their own choices to engage in in education there's a few members in the community i'm so proud of you know they they got a stars in the in the college and they've gone on to just finish their first year of university and it's absolutely amazing to see that what started out as just a way for me to cope has turned into a massive family unit of, of trauma survivors who share mental health resources and, and support. And yeah, it's it's been the start of a, a complete new life for myself and, and a, a very interesting future. Um, but while I was going through this education, one of the things I noticed, because I'm a mental health service user as well um, in therapy, was the amount of barriers in policy to mental health services and the problems and the um, pitfalls in the mental health service, which hasn't been helped by the, the 10 years of austerity and cuts to the NHS at all. And this is how we start getting into- This is when we policy. go into in a minute. <laughs> because I got so angry at losing so many people over the years because policies weren't there because protections weren't in place because guidance wasn't informed as it could have been um i started shouting and and calling out the emet the the mental health service and the government for for not taking the mental health crisis that we've had for over 10 years in the uk seriously and just letting people dwindle and losing some friends who were in um were actually inpatients was and unfortunately committed suicide. It was the last straw. So it was a case of, right, well, then I know I'm studying to become a psychologist and work in the mental health service and, and specialize in trauma and dissociative disorders, but there's no point in me doing this and following this path and, and, and trying to help people if the policies on this path are just gonna create barriers and stop me from being able to, 
to provide that therapy and provide that support people need and, and access people need to that mental health care. And so I started shouting about politics and, and getting a little bit of a name for myself for, for the activism I do around uh, access to mental health and, and raising awareness on the political side of how we need to change the, the system and the structures itself in order for us to produce better mental health care for people. Yes. And that is where, when we come back, we will be going into part two around the, uh, the politics of it, because it does go very strongly into it. We have separated it, but it's, there's still obviously a connection there. So um, yeah, I think education, as you, as you kind of point out there as well, is, is very important. I mean, I almost have the reverse of your, of your education. So yours has gone from mental health to politics, mine is politics to mental health. Um, and I'm now studying in, in mental health as well. I've done some of the courses. I'm now studying for a master's in global mental health. Um, and, um, and then I'm doing, um, you know, I'm doing my, um, my counseling diploma, things like that. So that I've, I've done that as education, but everyone can do this for whatever reason you're, you're wanting to. Maybe it's just to understand yourself. You want to do um, a bit of the education. But if you just want to do education anyway, it doesn't have to be academic like we have. You can go and go and maybe you can't ride a bike go and learn how to ride a bike most of us did it at the beginning of lockdown we found something that we wanted to learn to do and i think there's so much around think of how many people were saved by the fact that they took up baking and learned to bake you know education can be a real life um saver for so many people so um do look in wales um duolingo and um took up a, a partnership with uh, organization in Wales and and we've had an influx of of people learning to speak Welsh right. even a few friends in America uh, are becoming quite apt at their Welsh language and able to speak it more more fluently than I so I, I <laughs> definitely need to catch up there so yeah there's more than more than one way to educate there's more than one way to learn and even you know what may seem like fun silly playtime taking the kids down the woodland to to look at leaves and flowers is education is learning and yeah there's more yeah. than one way to learn and, and and figure things out oh absolutely and for anyone that's now wondering going well you show your stuff off in the background that's for my own fucking insecurities all right that is what that is for these are here because i'm an insecure motherfucker that is why they are behind me there is nothing to do with anything else or to present something it's because i'm insecure as fuck there's a chessboard there because i like the way it looks and i used to play um, national chess um, that's just pretty. I didn't know how else to arrange them. And the stuff around me is created for me. It's not created for anyone else. And that's perfectly okay. In front of me, which nobody can see, is a load of medals from running because I used to be incredibly overweight, didn't run, but now I run marathons. You can set up as much as you want. And learning how to run is education as well. So yes, yeah. education, is, education is, is valid no matter what it is. The only reason I put something on things like this is because when I was younger, I didn't see myself as academically literate that much. I do now, and so I show them off to myself because when I look at uh, look around my room, I can go, ah, oh, look at all this stuff. I've got over there a T-shirt that I ran with the first marathon. I've got stuff over here. That's for my own security. And don't let anybody tell you that you representing what you've learned on the walls or wherever you want. Can is... I challenge you on that? Huh? Can I challenge you on that? Go on. Changing the language from it's for your own insecurity to yeah. it's for your own sense of pride. 
Yeah, because you should be proud of yourself and you should be proud of the achievements you make. No matter how small they are, no matter how big they are, you should be proud. And, and having that sense of pride in yourself is perfectly okay. That is valid and, and you're allowed to be proud of your achievements. I will change my wording to it is a response to my own insecurities. <laughs> it is, I literally did a, a short video. Yeah, I have... I have uh, collected 17 CPD certificates this year alone. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, it's, oh, I yeah. have an awful lot, but I've learned more from, I've learned just as much from academic study as I have from just living my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can learn stuff from, from everywhere and, and TikTok can help you, Twitch, YouTube. There's so many things you can learn from it. And it's really funny because yesterday my, my video that I put up on TikTok was me telling people to be proud of themselves as well. So there you go. Um, anyway, guys, we will have to leave you there. Otherwise, we won't have time for our next one, which we're going to record straight after. Um, so thank you, everyone, for joining us here. We will be back next week. We're going to do it now, but we'll be back next week for part two of this. And we're going to go far more into the politics of mental health. Um, where I still think we're going to agree on this, but you never know, um, the politics behind mental health and, and how politics has affected little as well. So thank you everyone for joining us and we will see you again next week. Thanks everyone.